Hello and welcome to the back page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. This is a very relaxed episode where we revisit some predictions from earlier in the year. So, in uh, episode seven of this podcast, you and I laid out twenty-one predictions for twenty twenty-one. It was some easy beginning of the year content to. Uh, record before the break and then uh, pump out and uh, <laughs> now 12 months later we can revisit those predictions and see if we were correct or if we were mm. uh, completely incorrect big short issue energy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is actually spot on isn't it and um well first of all how are you and uh, we'll start with that and then we'll kind of progress from there uh yeah i'm fine you know i've got my eye on the prize that christmas break um so i'm, I'm just kind of plowing towards that but i'm f- yeah, feeling pretty good. I always like this time of year. Um, eating a lot of Christmas sandwiches lately? Is that a thing you've been doing? Not not really. Um, I recently discovered a sandwich I really like in Bath, which has been a long time. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a, a lunch regular for a very, very long time, years and years and years. Uh, so the idea of stepping away from my now favoured lunch for a Christmassy lunch. I'm not a big cranberries guy either, and the sandwiches always have that as like a base ingredient. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you did mention off-air to me that at the place where you kind of work several days a week at the moment, there is a kind of Christmas sandwich leaderboard, and it was like, it was getting a little bit political. Is that fair, or...? Yeah, it's a little bit political. So, yeah, the sandwich shop, I, I... Uh, I'm now enamoured with. It's called Intermezzo, and I've been talking about it a lot in the office. So when some <laughs> other people went to Intermezzo and scored its Christmas offering only a three point five out of five, I should add, but that is lower than some of the others on the board. I felt like it was a, a review of me in some way, <laughs> rather than the sandwiches. I feel like my brand has become so intertwined with Intermezzo uh, that I now feel upset when someone disses a baguette. <laughs> That's the most you thing I could possibly think of. <laughs> yeah, this uh, stuff happens to me a lot. I don't. <laughs> I think I should probably deal with some of this stuff. <laughs> I do like the idea that someone reviewing a sandwich that you didn't make is a reflection on you somehow. That's. Um, but I might feel the same way if I went to bat for a place and then it well, was. That's, uh, that's yeah. it. You know, it's when you go to bat for anything and people are like, the. You know, but ah. this this feels particularly kind of particularly <laughs> pointed. This is like I care a lot. The sandwich version, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is, this is, and and it's ironic because it's only because I care a lot about Intermezzo uh, that this situation has come about. But um, yeah, that that is ironic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the other thing I was going to mention is that Intermezzo is a place I used to go to. Matthew has never been to the sandwich shop despite it being open the entire time I've lived in Bath, <laughs> and like largely having the same menu for that entire time. And he has only been now for the first time, despite having lived here for how many years? Like 14 years? Yeah, it's a years. very weird street, though. <laughs> yeah, but surely you go down there, like, well, actually, no, would you have well, a that's to it, you there? see. Like, yeah. if you think of cities in terms of GTA cities, where you have, like, <laughs> a few key routes that the mini-map line will always take you on, it's very yeah. easy for that to happen in real cities, too. And that is just a street I'm not on often, so... yeah. The Intermezzo Street isn't exactly, you know, like Star Junction in Liberty City or like the, air- <laughs> the airport in Los Angeles. It Santos. should be, though, on the strength of those baguettes alone. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I go there plenty because I think you have to go right there to get to the cheese shop, which is... Um, <laughs> well, this is it, you see. I don't have that in my life, so... Yeah, it's a key location for me in Bath, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is that, yeah, Intermezzo, when... 
Uh, so I've got a whole situation. I mentioned to this Matthew off air, but I can't ever go back there. Um, <laughs> it's like a whole thing. <laughs> so basically, um, he does like a kind of mail order, not mail order. <laughs> you don't like order a sandwich <laughs> that arrives in six to eight weeks. That is not what I meant. Um, no, you kind of like you can order online and then go pick up your sandwich. So I did this, um, and it was on a particularly busy day. I ordered it at like twenty past. I got to the sandwich shop and I still hadn't had a text from him saying your sandwich is ready and it was like quarter two and I had a meeting at two and I was like oh I'm gonna have to just abandon the sandwich and then like I just sent him a really awkward message as I was walking off um just saying can you just give my sandwich away please I I had I had to leave thank you bye (laughs) and like I don't feel like I could ever go back now because he saw me at the window ready to pick up my sandwich and like he hadn't made it and then I had to run away and it's like I just can't untangle that Matthew I just have to start my life again from scratch I think any thoughts on that (laughs) yeah he's got a picture of you on the back wall now (laughs) do not serve this man You were part. Of, you were the notorious sandwich abandoner of Bath. <laughs> well, I did pay for the sandwich. That's the thing. I yeah, just, I know. I that's why it's extra weird. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you like say that? Like, uh, posit the idea that he might still have the sandwich there to present to me, and like, uh... <laughs> yeah, you, you have to eat it before you make you a new one. <laughs> just this evil, funky, it's like it's like sentient now. She's left it for so long. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's like the Homer Simpson sandwich. I, I like that we both have. Uh, this sort of weird sort of psychological damage now from this one sandwich shop that's very us <laughs> yeah it is didn't you say did you say he was like he's been he's closing and down as well and you were devastated to learn this having just gone there for well the he's trying time. to sell his shop so he can retire and it's really terrible because whenever i'm in there he's always talking to his other regulars about it and and they're all kind of commiserating with him like oh sorry no one's bought it yet and he's like yeah you know i just want to you know, I just want to enjoy enjoy a bit of peace and quiet. But because I'm an evil, selfish prick, I'm just constantly thinking, well, I've just discovered this amazing baguette and, like, I want to squeeze a few more years out of this sandwich shop if I can. Um, so, You're not going anywhere, mate, that kind of thing. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I wish him the best. Um, but yeah. I, mean, I mean, the man is a true artisan. The difference is, uh, not to make this just exclusively about sandwiches this episode, um, but he cuts the ingredients sort of fresh for each baguette, which does mean it's slightly slower than some shops, but mm. I think it makes for a much nicer baguette. So like, if you ask for a chicken thing, he's got a big chicken breast, and he'll cut a few slices off it, and he'll cut some fresh lettuce. It, it, lettuce. It's very... Uh, very well done. Yeah, it's the best classical sandwich shop in uh, Bath. Oh, yeah, I mean. easy. Yeah, it's got, he's got that market <laughs> sewn up, which is um, why he can never retire. But yeah, um, Sam, we've done eight minutes on Intermezzo. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that speaks to where we're at mentally. Um, uh, I've just eaten some food, but yeah, I mean, it may, maybe it seems like we're incredibly hungry before starting this episode. Um, yeah, we, we try not to get too bogged down in distractions on this podcast, but like, um, you know us, and bath food joints, that's just a thing we always talk about. So... <laughs> How's your Game of the Year episode prep going, Matthew? That's like probably going to be our last episode of the year, I think, yeah. like basically on New Year's. So, um, yeah, how's that going for you? Yeah, it's it's fine. I've, I've kind of developed this bad habit of just playing like a, a couple of hours of 
of things I haven't played, and if they grip me, I'll carry on playing. But I, I feel like I'm making a lot of game of the year decisions on those first couple of hours. So yeah. there's some things where I'm like, ah, does this feel like good enough to kind of continue with? And I appreciate that some of these games are going to evolve, and I'll probably finish them next year. So when we do next year's version of last week's episode, where we go back and revisit some stuff, um, <laughs> I'll have lots to talk about. But yeah, I feel like I'm on top of most of the biggies. Yeah, I'm feeling okay about it. I'm mainly playing Halo Infinite at the moment. You know, I'm, I, I just want to finish something because it's just been so sporadic. So, uh, how about you? How's your how's your prep going? Yeah, it's okay. Um, I uh, let's think. So, I'm um, I've I think I'm up to eight games that are definitely going in my top ten. So nice. that's good. Um, I think my list will be a lot better than my list last year, where I have had to pepper it with live service games because. <laughs> And then that was, you know, very upsetting for all involved. So um, this year that won't be a problem. It's uh, very much a kind of games that came out this year list. I just, it's got, I've got two more games that I, or three more games that I think are contenders. I just need to make time for them before that episode and then I can do it. There's, I'm, sadly, I don't think I'm going to have time to do the Halo campaign before um, the break just because I need to get that top 10 sorted out. Right, um, yeah. And I, but I have played loads of Halo multiplayer, like tons of it, so... That I've, I, that's still like a dead cert for the top 10. Not sure where yet, of course. But um, mm. yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I've actually been playing a couple of games that have been recommended to me by listeners and colleagues. Um, well, not colleagues, but like, you know, uh, former peers, I suppose, from the journalism side. Mm. I also read um, uh, some of uh, Polygon's very beautiful looking game of the year list, actually. Um, they like put some proper like uh, design effort into... Um, you know, doing like a top fifty, and it looked really nice. So that was kind of cool, magazine-y. Is that out now? Yeah, that's yeah, that's around. Yeah, fifty games they've done it. So oh, well, um, okay, I should. I haven't. I haven't seen that. I liked their list last year. It's it's got some. Re- it's got a massive variety of stuff on there. It's, it's good. Um, so yeah, worth uh, worth a look for sure. And of course, both our games of the year are going to be It Takes Two, which was Game of the Year at the Game Awards. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've not actually played that still. That's um, that's one that I just it requires my partner there as well. So it, it's. We're going to need to be in the right mood one day to yeah. play it, so um, it's going to miss out, I'm afraid. So, yeah, there'll be no um, Yosef Farias on here to collect his award and stuff. <laughs> um, side note, I was disappointed by, like, what great shape he was in. I was always annoyed <laughs> when I see people who are, like, didn't, like, put on three stone during lockdown, because that's just, like, my what I've been doing, and he looked fantastic, so, you know... That's um, <laughs> big self-esteem disparity between us there. I think <laughs> I like that. That's how big. That's how big game awards take. You're getting this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was basically. It. I like some of the trailers actually. Like, should we talk about that briefly? Like, what were the um, what were the highlights for you, Matthew? Looking back on it, there's there's lots of stuff which speaks to me. I don't think there was like a huge knockout. Like, holy shit! I can't believe that thing's real. Moment, which sometimes he does deliver. You know, like I think when he had the first Elden Ring trailer that felt like quite a big thing but uh you know Alan Wake 2 I'm you know I'm, I'm definitely up for that having played the remastered version this year I'm kind of a bit more in an Alan Wake kind of um sort of place I guess for that game fascinated by Mr Silent Hill making quite a creepy looking survival horror thing about people whose heads split open and monsters come out it's, is it called Slitterhead or Splitterhead? I think it's Slitterhead, yeah. Slitterhead. That's a horrible name for a game. Um, that's kind of interesting. I like the idea of that all these kind of quirky geniuses who've been filtering out Sony for the last three years as they sort of basically shut down their Japanese game-making operation, it seems, are now going to be making 
things you know on their own or going off and doing like their own little kind of sort of kojima-esque studios um you know i wonder if we're going to get a really interesting completely off the leash sort of scene from them so i'm up for that disappointed by the lack of nintendo i thought the big thing was going to be breath of the wild i'll be honest i thought he was going to have a a new glimpse of it because it's been a while yeah that that kind of cast a bit of a shadow over it intrigued by the star wars quantic dream which i imagine you are yeah for sure like um i thought that trailer was really stylish and interesting didn't look exactly like star wars as i knew it obviously it's set in this high republic era which is um i think between the old republic and um the prequels uh somewhere so all new character and story and stuff. So, um, mm. yeah, I thought that trailer was really cool. Were you, were you digging that as well? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I like the vibe of it, and I know there's a lot of, like, noise and, and stuff around Quantic Dream, and, and, you know, obviously, you don't have to take that into consideration as well. But, yeah, it's certainly, arti- from, a, you know, an art perspective, looked super intriguing, was one of the more interesting trailers of the night. Um, mm. I actually really like the Suicide Squad footage as well. Uh, I thought it looked a bit like Sunset Overdrive, which is that kind of hyper colourful, hyper real, but with that just incredible like rock steady polish. Mm. Um, you know, these the guys who made the Arkham games. That is reason to be excited, I think, and I think it, it looked it looked pretty snazzy. I think it's good that like we're seeing gameplay of that now as well, just because I yeah. feel like we've been waiting for a while to see that shape up. So it's um, yeah, it's good. And I, yeah. yeah, and like you know, considering they've only shown like cinematic stuff, I think. You know the action. I'm not saying it's the same. It's quite the same quality, but it looked pretty amazing. I mean, they, you know, they, they kind of committed early to to a next gen only game in the last generation with Arkham Knight, and that was, you know, one of the best looking games of the whole generation. Still to this day, you know, unmatched in many ways. Um, so the idea of them doing the same with the, the new generation, you know, I'm I'm really down for that. It's not yeah. on current gen, right? No, it's not. Mm, that's cool. That is very appealing. Um, yeah. yeah. I think Gotham Knights is the one which is both gens. Yeah, that's right. I think so, yeah. It's kind of mad that I don't know what's going on with that because it feels like we've seen, we're now seeing more of Suicide Squad, which was always sort of pitched as the later game. I'm sort of, I mean, I started to play both. Like, it seems like they're going a bit bigger on the DC stuff now. And it feels like, it feels like they could have done this much earlier. Um, like, but now they're maybe they've looked around at like how Spider Man's done, and you know, mm. and then have been like, oh shit, superheroes, people just want to play. Yeah, superhero open world games are a match made in heaven. DC has like a bunch of great superheroes, so it makes sense. And um, yeah, yeah I, I look forward to there being like I don't know, fucking uh, the Greek mythological creatures who you slice off one of their arms, and then later on they come looking for you and go, oi, Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> Um, which I assume is what's what's going to happen. But <laughs> yeah, they've said that they've said that Wonder Woman game is going to have their nemesis system in it. So I suggested to you, didn't I, that like um, the uh, well, actually, I think that people have said this before anyway. But a Batman game would be such a good fit for the nemesis system. The idea mm. that like someone could go from like hoodlum to becoming like basically a kind of um, Joker esque figure, like oh, yeah. uh, one of the more colourful villains. And in the, in you the knock them into a vat of acid, and they come back later, and they're like. Yeah, they've become transformed into a villain. You've given them their origin story. That would be yeah. so good. Why does that game not exist? That's insane. Yeah, you'd think they'd have put two and two together on that one, but um, nonetheless, yeah, I look forward to seeing those kind of like pan out. Um, yeah, I thought I, I share your enthusiasm about Alan Wake. I think they've said that it's like um, mature rated, so it's actually going to be like pretty, pretty gnarly. Yeah, um, he said in a little interview afterwards, he was like, "This is our first survival horror game," which you know, I. I sort of assumed the first was classified that, but they see it just as an action game. 
So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. That suggests it's going to be a bit bit more hardcore on scariness. I love seeing Fortnite money being spent on, like, um, <laughs> sequels to games that didn't, like... Um didn't really happen at the time that's like a good use of money if you ask me um because aren't aren't there other collaborations with play dead and the last guardian devs like um i think it's like those the other two that they're doing right uh, yeah i mean i've I've, it's hard to keep on top of who they're pumping money into but it's a lot of people yeah it's um yeah it's good um so uh, did you play the uh, matrix demo yet matthew i I still haven't i i know i feel like i should but I, i i also felt like i've kind of seen it all sort of vicariously through twitter clips now so you know i didn't feel the need to like get on it instantly and now i i'm like well i kind of know what it is um you have played it right yeah in some ways i think if you if you've seen the first five minutes you've seen like the the most kind of impressive stuff just because i think it just the the level of fidelity is what you kind of get excited about when you see it and like how cars look like when they're flipping over and um all of the Keanu Reeves carry on moss stuff is in the first five minutes as well um so that's real good and then the open world bits I mean I've got to the open world now and like um I can you know go around and stuff but because it's not really an open world game it's like it, you know you kind of just tour it for a few minutes and you sort of turn it off I think like it's not to say like they've done a phenomenal job and it's really a cool a cool freebie it definitely is but like mm. um yeah, I think it's something you can knock through in about 15 minutes, I would say. so. Yeah, the, the footage of them wandering around in the city gave me, like, big Watch Dogs vibes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair, yeah. In terms of it, you know, Watch Dogs was always, like, GTA, but with, like, always mad graphics stuff piled on top. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it is cool. I'm not looking at a gift horse in the mouth, and like I say, I haven't played it, but there is something about kind of... You know, this is this is a you know an opportunity to show off this what this engine can do, and it is a lot of like city blocks and cars, and you're like, okay, you know, I I I feel like there are spicier things you could maybe show me to make me excited about a graphics engine than just a city. Okay, yeah, good stuff. So, Matthew, should we get into the predictions revisited? And uh... let's do it. Let's uh, let's revisit some predictions. Uh, first of all, I suppose, like, what were your thoughts listening back to this episode? Because I think I listen back to episodes of this podcast a lot more than you do. Um, yeah, I, um, I can't, I can't stand the sound of my own voice. Uh, I can <laughs> well, only hear all my ums and likes, which I'm sure plenty of listeners can um, empathise with. Oh, they, um, they, uh, they love you. Don't worry. <laughs> well, for one, I was amazed with like how kind of spot on we were with a lot of this. Yeah, it's not, too, it's not too bad considering they're not like yeah. really far off, you know. Yeah, I thought we were, I thought it was on. I thought it was kind of on point. I laughed at our dumb jokes, which I'd forgotten about. Which you know is always a good sign when you laugh at yourself. Um, <laughs> I find this. Uh, I don't know if you have this. If I hear myself, or if I watch or listen to myself back in any form, I feel my body like miming along in exactly the same way that I did when I originally said it or performed it. It's like a muscle memory. Like my hands start gesturing as if I was talking. <laughs> I don't get exactly that, but you know what I do? It's like when you say something, my brain thinks of a response, and then I hear my <laughs> own response come out of my mouth on a podcast <laughs> from earlier. That's and when I when I've forgotten the conversation, that's weird. Here's the joke I would make. Oh, it is the joke I made. <laughs> yeah, that happens loads. And I'm just like, maybe I've just got a very basic brain, and like that's fine. I've never 
considered myself an incredibly um intellectual free thinker so that's okay but um yeah it was it was a it was a fun episode to listen back to i'm for some reason i'm whispering in the episode i can't remember why that is but i'm sort of going um so my prediction is uh that uh, microsoft is going to buy and i'm like i don't know why i'm doing that but like um, <laughs> that's kind of strange uh, it's also that thing of like it's the podcast in a slightly more embryonic state and then like but it's actually like mostly there it's Ooh. quite firmly the kind of bullshit that we do every week so um all, all, all that was missing is like an eight minute monologue about a sandwich shop at the start <laughs> i feel quite bad about that because people are gonna think oh no they've like they've become too in love with their own in jokes now and they're gonna keep fucking doing this but that was new that was all new material <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like one of those peter k dvds got a sticker on it just saying you know <laughs> eight 20... minutes of it hot into chat. <laughs> yeah unreleased uh previous material yeah um so that's good. Let's um let's get into it then, Matthew, because um I think like these will be good conversation starters for like how the year went in general. So um I think I went first in the podcast. So yeah. should I kick off with the first yeah. one that I did? Yeah. Okay, yep. So my first one was Microsoft by Sega. Um this was Game Pass related. Like I thought that because obviously Microsoft had been on this big spending spree with um buying like uh, Bethesda and obviously Obsidian before that and a bunch of other studios that they might do something close to like a big punt in the PC space so that was my prediction here um didn't pan out um but i think it feels like Sega and Microsoft have remained relatively close like um Total War Warhammer 3 is coming out on Game Pass for example mm. and um i think there was some other partnership that they announced this year maybe to do with like cloud gaming or yeah, something yeah they did well that was the weird thing because when that first came out, I remember some people thought, like, wait, are Microsoft buying Sega? Because, like, they announced this sort of unprecedented partnership to harness the Microsoft cloud tech in Sega's ultimate game or whatever it is. They keep t- Sega have got this game they're working on that they keep referring to as, like, everything they've ever been working towards. It's quite... Have you, have you come across this weird game? Yeah, I think they... It had a very specific terminology in their, like... Um slides like yeah i can't remember what it was but yeah it was something like ultimate game or like <laughs> yeah i love the idea this company's like we are now working uh everyone on our ultimate game it's going to be the ultimate game we ever make and you're like wow that sounds cool I hope it's not sonic <laughs> I, th- I think like maybe they said that to kind of distinguish like it from maybe like you know making another football manager or total war or company of heroes where like or Sonic or Yakuza, just because like there's such a firm bunch of series that Sega does now. Yeah. Like they're not like they were, you know, ten years ago when they were doing stuff like Binary Domain or like Vanquish before that. So mm. maybe that's what it it's kind of intending to say. Like we're making something that's apart from all of the stuff that we're currently known for. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I was wrong though, so um, that's like yeah, one point against me. Well, but. I was willing to give you a half a point for this one. Not that we're scoring this. I, I, I don't think this podcast should just become endless scoring <laughs> battles between us. Cause that's just not good for our friendship. Um, but no. when I listened back to this, I thought, well, they did do something with Sega this year. Yeah, and like it remains like you can play every Yakuza game on there and stuff. It's like yeah. it's yeah, they're they're pretty close. Um, yeah, I, I certainly like having a lot of Sega stuff on tap, so that's good. Um, what's your first one, Matthew? Uh, my first one was that a streaming platform will buy a games publisher to push into gaming. You're pretty close. Netflix has moved into games this year. Netflix bought or acquired uh, Night School Games, who made Oxenfree. That isn't entirely a, a gaming publisher, but they did buy a game studio 
um, to start making stuff based on their properties. Uh, they have launched their system on iOS and Android. It's kind of odd, though. It's, it's more like Game Pass than, than game streaming. Through the Netflix app on phones, you can download five games from you know your respective game store, which is like the beginning of their their sort of push into that space. Like a Stranger Things beat 'em up, for example, um, is on there. So yeah, I don't think anyone else has made major headway in this regard. Like at the time, there was a there was either a bit of chatter, or I just said this in the episode, and and I'm referring to my own rumor um, <laughs> that that. Um, wasn't there some interest? Like, didn't people think Disney were going to buy EA? I sort of, I recall something around Disney and games stuff. I recall, yeah, that. Um, there was some chat know. that they made. Like, the, the basic idea was that someone, you know, to push into games properly, you were just going to have to buy like a fully operating games publisher. Like, just buying a studio or trying to make a studio or two wasn't really working. And that's what was happening with Amazon. Like, Amazon have Amazon Games. They'd sort of set up these studios which haven't had a major a major hit yet. And that, well, they brought that MMO this year. I guess. New World was a, well, New World was a major hit. Yeah, that was that was massive. But they had a bit of a didn't they cancel the other thing they were making? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So like they've had their ups and downs, and I remember there being lots of ed- editorials about. Um, there was quite a good one in the Guardian, I think, about why you can't just make a game studio. You can't just buy talent and expect it to work as a game studio, that, like, game studios are their culture. Culture takes several years to develop, um, which is why, you know, I still think if anyone is really going to go for it, they're just going to have to buy the whole thing rather than try and piece it together from scratch. But, yeah, Netflix bought Night School. Does that count? I think that counts, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... You, you, were, you were close enough, I think. Um, that's a, it's a definite downgrade from Disney by EA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a cool fit though. Like um, you can see how they, they might be um, might be a good match for each other. And yeah. um, you would assume that's just a start, right? Like it wouldn't just be we've bought Night School and then we've that's it, we're done now. It's like mm. it'll be a gradual accumulation of stuff. Like I think there's a big acquisition spree going on generally in games at the moment. Like I remember, like um, the developer of The Long Dark uh, Hinterland said they had like several offers of acquisition this year alone, and mm. you've seen even like CD Projekt Red buying studios and. You know, there's just a lot of that going around, it seems like. So um, there's a bit of an arms race in that respect. And uh, yeah, so um, these are like, uh, we're probably going to see a lot more of this next year. So yeah, I think you did well here. Side note, Matthew, when I wrote up this news story for Tech Radar a few months ago, I kept accidentally writing Night Dive instead of Night School. And I love the idea that like um, <laughs> Netflix, you turn on Netflix tomorrow and it's got like the Blade Runner game and then Turok 2 on it. That'd be like, uh, that'd be amazing. Ted Sarandos is like, I just fucking love Shadow Man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's good stuff. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you half a point for this one, Matthew. Also, Thanks. Again, not a competition. Make it's that not very a competition. Clear. We mustn't let it become a competition. <laughs> no, no, we've got too much of that. We'll just risk this podcast turning into like one big game show, basically. And uh, I haven't got the energy for that. So um, yeah. All the um, prizes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, recommendations for sandwich shops and bath. Oh, well, you mean for us or for the listeners? Yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. Like... But no, there's there's nothing you can really offer me, to be honest. Oh, nothing, great. nothing, nothing I can offer you. I did bring some chocolate truffles over to your house. So. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was nice. You gave me a book. There you go. These are the prizes. <laughs> the prizes have already been distributed. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so my uh, second one 
was uh, Starfield is the biggest game reveal of 2021. Uh, and I said it's been six years since Fallout 4. And I said it's going to be a good game. Now, we don't know that last part yet because it's not here. We haven't played it. We haven't really seen that much of it. Um, it was one of the bigger reveals of the year, though. So mm. it broke cover this year. I guess that was bound to happen at some point. But um, it did come around slightly earlier than I thought. And it has a release date. So that's like another half a point, I think, there, Matthew. Any mm. thoughts? It's a shame that we haven't had like a proper like gameplay demo of this like the footage was sort of in engine but it was largely just sort of shots of sort of empty spaceships and you know planet surfaces and things where i think bethesda and particularly todd howard are very good at showing off their games properly when they want to they do those kind of highly edited demo presentations where he kind of switches through lots of different things and i think i need one of those before this game like is really real like i'm i i I, i'm not hugely excited for it at the moment like what they've shown of it doesn't really do it for me it's not like it's a dazzling vision of the future it just looks like any old space thing but i'm sure it'll be super interesting once they've got like more to show yeah like i'm excited to see more of it i think it probably just speaks to the fact that like um uh you know these things if they know that their release date is next year, they probably don't want to blow loads of it this year. They want to wait and then kind of mm. ramp up excitement. So next E3 will probably be when you see like that massive reveal, like you say. And then obviously you'll see a bit more at QuakeCon and stuff. So um, yeah, it'll happen at some point. But um, it certainly made a splash this year. I did also say in the episode as well that it was you know it would likely tie into a Microsoft thing, and it did. Of course, the um, Bethesda stuff was all at microsoft e3 show so mm. yeah um willing to give myself another half point here i think um <laughs> since we seem to be we seem to keep doing that so yeah yeah um good uh what's your uh your second one matthew i thought 2021 was going to be a really good year for ace attorney fans mm. um although yeah. and it was it was but i thought this on the grounds of that one we'd get uh great ace attorney localized which we obviously did uh, i also thought we'd see ace attorney 7 which didn't manifest and i actually feel like we're quite far from it if we're going to get it at all because like the key creatives behind ace attorneys 5 and 6 basically aren't there anymore i think they've left capcom not not in a big song or dance was made about this but you know, if they are making a new Ace Attorney, it's it, it's definitely going to be in new hands, which is a shame because, as we established in the Ace Attorney rankings episode, uh, Ace Attorney 6 is, like, legitimately up there as one of the best. Um, and I was like, oh, man, the next one they make is going to be amazing. I just couldn't wait for it. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a bit slightly tempered. I mean, it feels like... Great Ace Attorney kind of made a minor splash for about a month and has already sort of vanished. Like, I don't yeah. see a huge amount of chatter about it. And I don't know if that speaks to people didn't really, like, gel with it as much as the others or if it's maybe just a bit more of an acquired taste. But I, I keep reminding myself, wow, we got these, you know, two amazing games. Like, I played, you know, 50, 60 hours of a new Ace Attorney this year and that was pretty rad. And occasionally the YouTube will serve me up the tracks from it or i've got some tracks from it in my uh spotify playlists and i'll be like oh yeah i did love that game that really made me really really happy so yeah it, i think this was a good year for ace attorney fans yeah i think you deserve a full point for that one it's um you were like it's true that like that other stuff had been rumored for a while the other thing i thought might happen would be the um other three games would be yeah, put into the a collection tr- yeah 
And that was like rumored a long time ago, along with uh, all these rumors happened at once, if I recall. Like it was a yeah. big, big wave of um, Ace Attorney stuff, but yeah. I think they treated it like a major release, more so than mm. the previous Ace Attorneys, which just kind of came out a little bit like, well, here it is. Um, this one, I think they actually put a bit of effort in, not, not effort's the wrong word. I think this one, they gave a bit more of a promotional push and it felt like quite a big thing. And it feels like Ace Attorney is sort of, back on the menu, if only between this one and the success of the previous trilogy collection when you know when it released on you know PlayStation PC and everything. I just feel like they've they've found a big enough audience for it. So I'm absolutely positive there will be more from this series at some point. I just have no idea what shape it'll take. Also, side note, one of my predictions was that uh Ace Attorney, this is an exact quote from the episode, it will keep me happy and in lucrative freelance, um, which the readers will be glad to hear uh, was true. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, I am glad to hear that, yes. Um, your boy uh, Shutakumi got a bit of visibility this year. I've never seen him do that much like press for... Um, well, he didn't really do much besides that kind of like announcement video, but it was pretty significant seeing him do that. Um, yeah. Were, were you happy to see him sort of break cover from his... From, I think you called it a cupboard. Yeah, wearing his little hat, he's... He's very like charismatic man as well. I mean, he's a good. I think he's a good spokesperson for a series because he's kind of quirky and quite funny. And yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to see him. I got a few interview questions for him when I did the. I reviewed it in Edge and we did a postscript interview, so we got a few interview questions. Wasn't one of my best Shutakumi interviews. Uh, didn't didn't get like. He didn't answer loads of them. He only answered a couple. But uh, what he said was interesting enough, so I don't feel too bad. What'd you give it for Edge, Matthew? I gave it an eight, which some people would probably say is a bit high. It's a, it maybe it is a heart score. Should we should we give heart scores in Edge? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think if you'd have given it a nine, I would have called that a heart score. But you know, I don't think it is quite an, a nine for me. But it's it's just so classy. I mean, if, if if you read that Edge review, I was I was really pleased with it, and I think it it sums up my thoughts a bit more eloquently than I maybe did in our in our own episode. Um, not to cast shade on the back page, obviously, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a that was a a review I was particularly pleased with this year. So um, you know, if you have access to that, do give it a read. Yeah, in the moment, you were very excited about this game. Like I remember just how you were so pumped you played so much for such a small space of time you know it did dominate my playing time for like almost a month and it was just such a, i was in such a sort of happy place with it it is really good i don't i don't know why why i'm, I'm talking about it like it's like it isn't or it is a failure of some kind because i really don't think it is um it just it made me um yeah very 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 happy yep that's a good uh good call so yeah you get a full point there <laughs> yes. um, so uh, <laughs> So my third one was... Um, Suck it, Roberts! <laughs> Anthem re-releases this year on next-gen consoles, but despite being better, no one cares. That was one of mine. That was a direct quote. Um, quite cruel, I would say, actually. Like, a um, bit of punching down on Anthem, which um, I actually think Anthem did have potential to be good if they'd have given it at the time, but they chose not to and chose to focus on uh, Dragon Age and um, Mass Effect instead. I guess I can't I can't complain about that too much, but it seems yeah. like they had a, they had a punt at... Um, giving it a revamp it's just like it's just hard you know it's it's like it, if they were starting from a more positive stamp uh you know starting point i could see why this might have seemed like a good path but i just don't think that goodwill was there to like give it another shot necessarily um so i can see why they did it um yeah it didn't happen um zero points for me but uh you know anthem it's kind of in the the sort of rear view mirror now it feels like it's sort of a long time ago that that happened and mm. um if i'm if looking you, forward to um... it if you only played this on Xbox, 
uh, they did add the frame boost for oh. Xbox Series. Uh, I think it's only Series X, this one. So you can, you know, they boosted it to like 60 frames. And that game, I mean, we know this because we both played it on PC, I think. But, you know, it does look absolutely amazing when you're flying around and it's super smooth. So that's something. Yeah, for sure. It's like uh, there's the the very kind of like core of a good game is there. Like it's sort of like you know going around an open world with your buddies, like in mech suits and fighting monsters is like is fun. That is good, mm. um, and it looks really nice. There's not much world to it. It's quite small world. It feels very like like uh, maybe a third the size of what you'd like to explore in a game like that. I would say. Mm. Um, but it does have some cool bits where you like swing through tunnels and then kind of popping out and then yeah, the side quests are repetitive. But there's just there was like you could see how a Destiny kind of like mech style mech game would have been would have been good if it had just been like had a lot had longer in the oven. But it'd been in development for a while. I just mm. just one of those things where we can just all move on and it's fine. That's kind of where mm. I'm at with it. But so uh, I do think this year was a on the whole a good year for Bioware though. Like yeah, I, f- sure. I feel, I feel like the conversation has gone from "oh, Bioware keeps shit in the bed" to "oh yeah, we love Mass Effect," which is kind of a pretty good reset for them. Yeah, I saw. I also saw so much like cynicism towards that Legendary Edition this year, and then everyone ate their words. Like I saw so many people saying, "Oh, they fucked the color palette," blah 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 blah, and like. It, it, people were head over heels when it arrived and it's like sometimes yeah. you just got sometimes you just got to get the fuck off twitter and like just make <laughs> your own mind up basically just because you know it just um, there's so much intense speculation around this stuff sometimes it can just take the wind out of the sails of what the thing actually is and mm. that mass effect collection came along and it was legit so fair play you know mm. Mm. yeah so what's your third one matthew uh, my third one is, well, it was related to my last one. I thought Phoenix Wright will be one of the remaining three DLC in Smash Brothers. Mm. This is a total bust, obviously. It wasn't <laughs> him. The last one was uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts, which actually made me laugh because I think you, well, you may have mentioned this in one of your other points, actually, but you did you did dismissively say uh, it will probably be Sora um, from from Kingdom Hearts. Which made me laugh. Does that mean I get half a point for your one? I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, we'll come back. There's another Smash Brothers point we'll get to in a sec. I, I was surprised that they didn't end with a Nintendo face. Like, I know, I know the Kingdom Hearts people are excited, and their whole narrative around this was that the choices were based on a that poll they did all these years ago of who would you like to see in Smash Brothers, and the number one entry was Sora from Kingdom Hearts or someone from Kingdom Hearts because obviously all these Square Enix nerds had gone on there and, like, obviously spammed the poll with bots or something. Um, and, oh, you know, they not s- bitter at all. <laughs> and they saw it through and they delivered that, which is, you know, good to be true to what you said. But it, I, I personally thought it was a bit of a shame that the last final piece of the puzzle wasn't, like, a Nintendo icon. I'm, I'm sorry, Kingdom Hearts isn't a Nintendo series, there are a couple of entries, but they are baffling and make no sense away from the main games. Like, I just, I, I, I thought it was a bit of a joke. I also, the, this this speculation included the quote, it'll probably be some rancid guy from Tekken, um, which I think is also true. <laughs> Does that mean you get half a point for that one? I don't know. Like. Yeah, because there was a Tekken guy, wasn't there? It was old, um, I don't know my so, Tekken yeah. characters, I can't even remember who it was. I gotta say, I was like much more down on the Challenger Pack Two than Challenger Pack One. I'm not 
I wasn't hugely invested. I must admit, you know, I you know, you, I write a spicy tweet half an hour before he announces each new fighter. Uh, well, it wasn't even a spicy tweet. You know, I'd maybe have a little moan about Kingdom Hearts, but I, I, I actually don't really care. So <laughs> <laughs> they should have popped in that uh, Metroid Dread suit for Samus. That would have been good in uh, Smash Bros. This year. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he's done now though. He's walked off. He's gone to have a nice long holiday, old Sakurai. So, uh, yeah, fair play. Um, so yeah, I um, I I can't, I should, I suppose like go straight into my one from here, Matthew, because it's connected, right? So yeah, um, Master Chief gets added to Smash Bros. Obviously, this was a bust. Also, um, <laughs> my theory here was that um, Microsoft would have done some deal where because they got Banjo Kazooie and the Minecraft guy Steve, or whatever he's called, um, earlier. Uh, they would have had to put Halo in there um, to kind of make up for it, but that that yeah. wasn't the case. So a kind of eat your vegetables deal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I don't think that's like Microsoft's vibe these days. So um, <laughs> that's not what happened. It would have been so funny to have an obnoxious like Master Chief appearance in there. To be honest, Master Chief is like you know not. It's probably about uh, no slight. Snake is slightly more connected to Nintendo, I suppose. But like I don't know. This yeah. This, Master Chief, Master Chief is like there is literally no Halo game on a yeah, Nintendo platform. That's um, true, but like which is true of yeah. Sephiroth as well. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Cloud and Sephiroth, like you know, you can play off obviously FF Seven now on um, Switch, but previously you couldn't. So um, yeah, I think this is something. Maybe it maybe it fits more when it's a, a character from a major Japanese publisher that has some Nintendo heritage. Like mm. maybe that's the thing, but. Um, I, I didn't want this to happen. This is just something I thought would happen. So uh, that's fine. Um, so yeah, uh, Smash Bros. We got it wrong, but um, I must admit I'm I'm slightly more up on Sora than I am on the um, Tekken guy. Like to each their own, Matthew. Um, yeah. So what's your next one? This was more of a hope than a than a prediction. I hope that streaming services get slicker as they aren't there yet. We just come out of the rocky first stretch of. Um, a stadia and you know there's there's still a lot of umming and ahhing about it i mean i'd say that xbox cloud streaming is the closest we've got in terms of quality like i have played some of it and it's pretty impressive on my phone you know it's still not like perfect but it's decent you know i'm i'm surprised every time by how good it is i also think xbox have the right model in terms of they've just folded it into Game Pass Ultimate. So if you've got Game Pass Ultimate, you get access to all those games, which interestingly means that if you don't own any Xbox hardware or a gaming PC, you can start playing their like next-gen library. Mm. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good pitch. That's you know they're, they're you know Stadia got sunk on the fact that they were basically making everyone pay full price for every game and a game that you didn't actually own. Here, the idea of a subscription service where you get access to it, I think that's the that's the magic element of what Xbox are doing. They've just packaged it right, mm. um, and it works well. And they've also done some nice stuff in that there's about twenty or so games that they've like. There's a mobile phone touchscreen control scheme that they've like invented and worked into the interface of the game. Like there is an actually a touchscreen version of the game that they've made for you to play. It's not all of them. It's like things you know. Some things make more sense than others, like strategy games and um, uh, Dragon. I think Dragon Quest, whichever one it is, eleven, the, yeah. the last big Dragon Quest, you can play with um, some cool touchscreen controls and things like that. So, like. They feel like they're most on top of it. Yeah, I, I mean, if any, they're making really good progress there. I would say, like, um, mm. they're very committed to doing it. 
and like this wouldn't be cheap to do to add control schemes to all these things mm. and to like um it, you know fair play like it is another way to add value to game pass um i've not actually tried it though i must i must admit um that's 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 the only thing that's holding me back it's like there's sometimes i'm like uh it's a little it's still a little bit janky but i don't know i don't really know what the end game is you know are we talking about like in a couple of years time will it be flawless or will it always be a little bit like there's these weird compression artifacts all over the screen because you cut you still have to deal with that stuff like the, the funny thing with this is that if you own like an og xbox you can play the next gen version of games by streaming them. So you and uh, I've seen some people on Twitter say that like they genuinely had a better experience. Like they're the, you know, why would you ever play anything on an OG Xbox? Why wouldn't you just use the Xbox One as a streaming machine for Xbox Series X because that's the version of the game it's now running? So there's some there's some like weird like funny workarounds that they've included with this. Oh, right. So can I now go play, like, I can, if I wanted to, I could turn my Xbox One into, like, a Forza Horizon 5 on Series X machine. Yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's good. So I mean, it's still, like like I say, limited by how smooth the streaming is. But they've also just announced on the PC version of it, so you can now stream in browser. Beyond the regular tiers, there's also, like, extra performance tiers. Like, you can, you can like, boost it in some way. I, I, I don't know the specifics of this, but... You know, it's got the power and the heft that you can. If you if you've got the bandwidth, you can like up the quality like even further on PC. It, it feels like they're really going for it. Yeah, that is cool. I feel like I never see anyone talking about this really. And no, like it, I, it's yeah. odd because we all own it. Anyone who has Game Pass has it and has access to it. Just honestly, I, I suggest people if you've got Game Pass, just get the app on your phone and just give it a little go. Boot up like Dragon Quest or like. I don't know, Giz Tactics or something, and just see, like, how they work, because it's... I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, I'm going to check that out after this podcast. That's cool. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I hope it keeps um, keeps uh, improving next year. So I'll give you a full point for that one, young man. Yes. You've, done, you've done very well there. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, this next one is Silent Hill and Metal Gear Solid are seen again this year, but not made by Konami. Now, this didn't happen this year, but... There was a report that basically said this is happening <laughs> from VGC, um, Andy Robinson's outfit. So um, this, like, the rumor is that a full remake or new version of Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater is in the works at Virtuous. I think it was that was the what the story said. Um, obviously, I've no idea if that's true or not, but you know, um, Andy is uh, has a very good track record as a reporter mm. and. Um, also, that uh, Silent, I think like two Silent Hill games are in the works. Yeah, that's what's confusing about Silent Hill. It's like there are yeah two different things. Wow. Yeah, one from the medium devs, and then one from a Japanese company. Um, I can't remember the exact details on that one, but like, yeah. So, and then at the same time, some re-releases of older Metal Gears are in the works too. So there's like a big Konami push going on apparently behind the scenes, and like a new Castlevania coming as well. Um. So I feel like I deserve a half point for this one, Matthew. Um, just because you know all this stuff I said was going to happen is ki- is reportedly happening. What do you? Yeah, think? that's it. If it, it feels like the big uh, Konami Renaissance just hasn't happened yet, but is coming, mm, which is exciting. I mean, it's a shame that their major release for the year was just the instantly memed to death e football with. You know, all the characters' faces popping out their skulls and all that shit. Oh, they also did the Castlevania Advance collection. That was um, Oh, yeah, nice. that was good. That was really good, actually. Yeah, so if you if you see them doing a similar model for Metal Gear and you start seeing those pop up on Switch, that could be nice, couldn't it? Um, yeah. So, 
even if this just comes down to you know the thing i'm excited about is a bunch of old games coming to uh like current platforms that's fine with me i will caveat again though that metal gear solid 4 should not leave the ps3 like you should have to play it on <laughs> ps3 that's where it belongs and like you shouldn't be allowed to play it on any other format it's like I'm sorry, but those two things are tied. It's like a it's like a blood pact. They are stuck together. You have to go get one. You have to boot it up. You have to look at the XMB. It's just it's the most purely PS3 thing that was made. Um, I just I don't think it should be allowed, and I, I will file an injunction <laughs> if I have to to keep it on there. Um, I think I said something to that effect on the podcast too. Um, yeah, it rings a bell. This yeah. feels this feels like a hill that you'll die on. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. But like, um, you know, PS3 content circa 2008, that's like kind of one of the reasons this podcast exists. So obviously like, um, yeah, a big part of my personal brand, as they say. So what's your next one, Matthew? Yeah, my next one was I wanted someone uh, to make a shit your pants scary horror game. Uh, I mean, this is definitely something which has come up a few times on this podcast. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine that the modern horror scene is more interested in clever scares well not even scares like clever horror i feel like every generation has a couple of games which stay with people and are nightmare fuel forevermore and i don't know what those games have been in the last say five years i feel like it's all gone a little bit layers of fear too this year like we got the medium from blooper and that wasn't it i mean that was very much you know of a piece with their previous games which i have a problem with I don't know if you played it. There's like a P-tier like called Visage. I um I think it's on Game Pass, right? Um, yeah, it's on Game Pass. I played an early access version of that a couple of years ago, and in terms of being very like PT, like a photorealistic house that's very quiet and then scary shenanigans go on, that did shit me up a minor amount. So <laughs> I but I, ha- I haven't gone back and played the full thing, but you know maybe there's some there's some hope there. You know, we saw Split Ahead uh, or Slit Ahead at the Game Awards. Mr. Silent Hill, Mr. Forbidden Siren doing his thing again. That could Mm. be interesting. There could be a bit of hope there, but that wasn't a game this year as an out. You know, unless there's something which has really passed me by, I don't know that there was a a, a seriously, seriously scary contender this year. Definitely not in the mainstream. Well, uh, there's stuff like um, Little Nightmares 2 was out this year. Um, There's Mundon as well, that um, folk horror game um, that... I, I saw some people going to bat for. Uh, meant to be pretty good. It's meant to be a little bit like uh, Wicker Manny. Um, there was, uh, I think, a quite a well-reviewed uh, installment of the uh, Dark Pictures series this year. Um, uh, but like, um, I haven't traditionally found those scary. I think they're they're well they're well produced, but yeah, yeah. I I didn't get on with like I've only played Man in the Dan. I didn't like it. I just haven't gone back to them since because I was just like, oh, this feels a bit a bit flat um i am quite in i'm into the pitch of the the fourth one next year which is the based on the hh holmes murder house in chicago which i think is like super super interesting yeah i think that's a fair point though pants shitting is so specific a term like um you know it sets a very high standard you know it when you see it um and i just don't feel like it's 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 quite happened this year that's fair i think um, so Matthew pointed out off air to me that um, I have mass- messed up the order of this. So if you listen to the um, 2021 predictions episode, these are now slightly out of order because <laughs> I'm just going on a, a doc I made um, uh, last year. So, uh, you know, sorry about that. But um, yeah, so I will go to my next one in, in my list, Matthew, which is, oh, Sammy Roberts has to eat his words now. So Halo Infinite campaign is still disappointing despite a year long delay, but the multiplayer will be excellent. So um, the campaign is largely considered, um, 
very po- it had a very positive response i think and um i mm. think i was just a bit too pessimistic here but like i turned around on the campaign immediately when they started showing it off and they were like you know master chief getting in a banshee and flying around an open world and i thought that looks like my shit and um i have not played enough uh of it yet to like form a full opinion on it i will in time for that game of the year episode that we're doing but you know generally speaking the response to this has been very very good so i think um you know i i'm happy to admit that i'm incorrect there but the multiplayer thing it was a pretty obvious pick um but i'm awarding myself half a point for that matthew any thoughts you could still play the full campaign and not find it to be excellent i don't think i i will say preempting game of the year i don't think the campaign's outstanding i think i think it's good i think it's it's way better than i thought it was going to be it's you know without without sort of spoiling my full take but the multiplayer is really good Still bugs me that this is like a bit of a piecemeal release in terms of like some key features coming later and the missing cart really, you really feel its absence, particularly in the, the campaign they have made. But yeah, I, th- I think they pulled it around. I mean, it, it simply reminds me of how baffling it is that they thought this was going to be good to go in three months' time when they showed it off last year. There was quite an interesting interview with Phil Spencer in GQ with a uh, regular listener of the show, Sam White, who did a good job with that one, where he was talking about about that reveal and the idea that it was meant to be a launch game. And he openly said, like, you know, we were working from a position of, like, hope and not sense, which is, you know, <laughs> they made the right decision to, with, to, to, to hold it back. <laughs> yeah, like, getting Halo wrong on that scale just would have been, like, a major like black mark against the xbox launch um yeah so they, were, they were right i think to do that and but so, anyway, uh, I, yeah. he was i uh there was an, a more recent feature um it may even i think it may have been jason schreier's one about like the release of it where um joseph stratton who was like mr story on the original on halo one and two um kind of he he was basically sort of airdropped in to sort of like fix new halo and um he said there were things like like AI Marines wouldn't get in your vehicles and things like that. Like they wouldn't mm. accompany you, and you're like, "What?" Like that's that's where it was a year ago. You know, just stuff which he was like is intrinsically Halo wasn't in it. Um, so I'm really glad they spent that year because spoiler alert: the Marines getting in your cars is still rad as hell and makes me very happy. Yeah, that was um, that would have been tough not to have. That would have been the sort of thing that would have been like you know memed and. You know, yeah. you rescue Marines, they don't get in your cars. So, yeah, good choice made there. Um, that was a very good quote from Phil Spencer on Hope. I read that and I was like, oh, yeah, that is uh, that is nice and honest. And, uh, yeah, I think it was worth the wait. Um, and the multiplayer is fantastic. I really love Halo Infinite's multiplayer. So, mm. well done. Got a very good future ahead of it, hopefully. Yeah, so my next one is um, Cyberpunk will go into space in DLC. Mm-hmm. Which uh, didn't happen because... Uh, CD Projekt Red have basically spent the last year just making sure, you know, Cyberpunk kind of functions um, more than anything, which is the right thing to do, and their DLC plans haven't manifest. I think this will still come to be true. This was based on the fact that one of the endings of Cyberpunk sort of involves space travel, and it seems like an obvious self-contained location that you might go to. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been interesting looking at this game, because I did wonder if there would ever be a 
you know, a, a, a patch where you're like, oh, this is this feels like it's done, or like we are completely, you know, we are now past the the major problems or the major obstacles of this game. I don't feel like we've had that like breakthrough moment. The narrative for this game has been quite murky and unsatisfying in terms of it's just been sort of poodling its way. Little fixes here and there, they're still dedicated to it. Any grand plans for like DLC or that rumored multiplayer mode have just been like shifted back. There was like a surge of positive reviews around the last Steam sale because they they reduced its price quite a lot and a lot of people got it and said, oh, actually, it's in a pretty decent state. I mean, I think that was always true on PC. I I don't think that's an indicator that, that, you know, that the story has changed around Cyberpunk. We're still talking about a game that fundamentally a platform holder had to take off sale at at the time of release. Um, And I don't think those old gen versions are still much cops so nothing particularly juicy or interesting happened with cyberpunk this year it just feels like a, a bit of a uh, a whimper rather than a bang whatever you know however they change its future it doesn't feel like a replayable game to me in the way that witcher does like i just don't think it's like interesting enough structure so my next one matthew is sony revamps ps now to make its own version of game pass this didn't happen this year but um apparently it is happening according to a report um, mm. Or some kind of like different tiered version of um, oh. PS. Isn't Plus. that uh, overcomplicating it? <laughs> Why well, can't thought... they just fucking do it? Why can't they just do what Xbox are doing? Just go here. It is. It's one thing. This idea of like buying into tiers. It, it, uh, I think that's so dumb. I feel like it already is kind of in tiers. Like if you want to buy PS now, it's it's right there on the PlayStation Five. You know store page like you can go do it um it's just whether the offering significantly changes you know like um oh. that's the whole the, thing it's like yeah because aren't, aren't the tiers gonna i, th- I thought the t- talk about the tiers hinged on like whether you got older games too oh you know? um there was some yeah there's some rumor that like it might incorporate older playstation platforms right so yeah but like they should just do that as what just have one thing just offer it all up because the xbox game pass has goes back to og xbox too i just i don't want to have to like fuck around with different tiers of it and the other thing is they think it might have it's whether they ever bite the bullet and put in their new games because that's that's you know if they do i would buy it in an instant you know it's it's such a no-brainer but it for me playstation now is just missing that that first party like excitement level yeah i guess microsoft just has that giga those gigabuts a big gigabuts gigabucks to um uh, kind of like uh, you know, basically eat costs on Game Pass yeah. and, while it grows, and like I don't think Sony Sony is not as big a company as Microsoft, and so mm. I can see why the, the economics are different. Also, their games do sell like as they do now; like they don't, they're not in a position where they have to do it. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they will change that. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really agree with you on Sony and uh, and their games. I think they, they, I think their year was as good as Microsoft's. Just um, Microsoft's is all backloaded and Sony's is all spread out. But we'll talk about that at the end of the episode, Matthew. Mm. So, um, yes, um, yeah, you know, I, I get, I'm giving myself half a point there again, um, just because you know, close enough. They're, they're probably, <laughs> it was coming. bound to happen. At, yeah, it's coming at some point. It's bound to have happened at some point. So, uh, yes, what's your next one, Matthew? We won't see Metroid Prime Four. Where I said Metro Prime 4 exists as a logo and nothing else. I mean, currently that's still true. Um, <laughs> there's nothing to suggest that it does exist outside of that logo. Like, we've just not seen it. Obviously, I, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted that there was going to be a 2D Metroid game this year. Although, hilariously, in this section, I say the word dread two or three times. I noticed that. I noticed and that. It, I, I honestly, if you listen back, 
Uh, in fact, I'll insert a clip of it so you can hear that now. My worry is that is that it's going to just be like quite behind the curve now, in terms of if they just make quite a straight sequel to Metroid Prime's one to three, which while great games, I think are sort of of their time. I dread, for, I dread for this one. Uh, luckily, that dread will be put off for a bit because, as I said, I don't think we'll see any of it this year. <laughs> Ta-da! It really sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I genuinely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I found that really odd listening back to it. I thought, why did Matthew use the word dread here twice? Like, it's Unless, a- like, somewhere deep in my head, I knew Metroid Dread used to be a thing, and my subconscious just served me the word dread <laughs> because of that connection. Who yeah. knows? I think we can say, though, safely say that you, in that podcast, channeled the energy to make Metroid Dread a thing this year. I think um, I did. I said its name, like, Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like fun Candyman. You can thank Matthew for that, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been playing that, actually, so we'll talk about that in the Game of the Year episode, I'm sure. Uh, um, very, very <laughs> but, shiny thing. Very good. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say a good year for Metroid, if not the year we thought we might have with Metroid. I feel like you could still make the Metroid Prime 4 prediction the next two years and still be right on that one. Um, like, I yeah. don't think... I just don't think there's any... We're even close to that being a thing still. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's going to be like, surprise, here it is. I just don't... Yeah. yeah. I'm increasingly turning against, like, announcements which are just logos. Because may, it may as well not be a thing at that point. Like, it just it seems really bogus to me to try and... To think, like, well, we can tick off the Metroid fans because we gave them that logo over a year ago. It's like, I don't really think so. Like, I think that's, like, more disrespectful to your, to your fans in a way. I'd rather they just didn't do that. No more of that, please. Do you not think that the, the massive, massive interest in Dread this year might have like motivated Nintendo to be like, well, what else could we be doing with Metroid, Metroid that we're not really doing? Um, do you not think that will happen a bit because of um, Dread this year? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it definitely feels like the 2D strand of Metroid is like completely like rejuvenated because of that game. Yeah. Um, like it is just a contender now. And maybe the lesson is just Switch is so big it can even make a success of Metroid. It does help that you know, I think Dread is is an excellent game, and I, I wonder if this triggers uh, them looking at some other bits of their catalogue, going, "Well, you know, if if we can make a Metroid sell, maybe we can make, you know, this is where I completely fail to name any fucking Nintendo series." Doshin uh, the Giant, Matthew. Doshin the Giant, Dread. <laughs> <laughs> Dread. They're like, well, the lesson here is that anything works if we stick Dread on the end. <laughs> Pikmin <laughs> Dread. <laughs> If you just say um, uh, Dosh and the Giant uh, Dread two more times, Matthew, you'll make it happen <laughs> in 2022. So um, I would yeah. actually rather Candyman came and got me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one didn't come up on the GameCube draft, did it? Um, no. <laughs> no. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, well done to Matthew there for summoning Metroid Dread into existence. We're all very You're grateful. You're welcome. You're welcome, yeah. listeners. <laughs> uh, so my next one is... Um, Oh, a big big win for Big Sammy. Um, Nintendo adds N64 games to Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, this happened, so uh, yeah. that's good. It wasn't that bold a prediction, I suppose, but like um, you know, it was it was it's been it's been way too slow that growth of that Nintendo Switch Online catalog. Mm. I'd love to I'd love to just see like GameCube, Game Boy Advance games on there, and Game Boy games, and a massive library of stuff. But it's been so gradual. I mean. Next year, we're looking at the fifth anniversary of the Switch. And, like, it always takes till the right to the end of a generation for Nintendo to get all of its old games onto the console. And then there's a new one, and then it's all migrated off again. And you're like, no, I have to start mm. again. Um, that's happened several times now. So, yeah, I did make... Uh, th- this did happen, Matthew. I don't think it was because of me. I think it was always going to happen. But um, <laughs> any thoughts? 
I like the idea that someone in Nintendo Japan is listening to the back page and they're like, well, fuck me, that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got it right in terms of, like you said, you also got Sin and Punishment right. You knew that that would be in the lineup. Yeah. You said Sin and Punishment, Mario 64 and Ocarina. Bing, bing, bing. I wish it had released in a slightly better state. Like, I think it's quite sad that we... that. This should have been just a very easy win, and instead the story was they've sort of fucked it a little bit, which is depressing. The controls aren't quite right, or they're mapped wrong, or they're a little bit fiddly and fussy, or they don't look amazing. It, you know, it is a bit of a shame. Well, I like, um, I've actually not given it a go because um, the extra tier wasn't, it was a bit too much for me to pay, really, um, for yeah. what it is. Um, the thing I with can... the extra t- tier, the family subscription, if you get a family subscription, Honestly, people should just get in on that with, like, seven of their mates. I don't understand why people just don't do that. It's really free and open in terms of how it works. All right. So do you have the family version? So we've got the family subscription. I'm on it. Catherine's on it because she wants to get the Animal Crossing DLC. And her three brothers are on it. So that's five of us. Can you add me to it as well? (laughs) Yeah, I'll add you to it. Yeah, sure. You sure? Are there any two listeners you want adding? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert August and Maya, maybe. Uh, Drop us a line. (laughs) You're welcome, my friend. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really like it's not like only one person can play it at any given time either. It's just like if you're on it, you're on it. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's. I that's... think it's good value for money if you split it. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was that easy. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm a, I'm quite good at scamming my way around family settings on consoles to get to get free treats. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's. It, I don't know why it's kind of slightly amusing to me to think of Catherine's three brothers on there. I think it's just because <laughs> I, I only met them once at your stag do, so um, everything I know about them is based on that. Um, yeah, it's got, okay. the, it's got that. It's got the feel of a riddle, hasn't it? <laughs> when you talk about three brothers, yeah, it's just it's a lot of brothers, isn't it? It's um, that is a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot of brothers, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I guess I'll just move on now. Um, so yeah, I was correct there. A point for me. Uh, what's your next one, Matthew? I said I will give into temptation and buy a play date, which is a bit of an unfair prediction because I have complete control over whether or not this one happens. <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad we're not doing this as a competition because I could have just done it anyway just to spite you. Yeah, uh, that's true. Well, I say that. I mean, maybe I couldn't have given into Temptation because pre-orders weren't open. They were open. Uh, I actually didn't pre-order one uh, mainly because uh, I think, like, Catherine can get one through work. <laughs> so um, uh, we will play it. I must admit, when the first round of previews came out, because they sent them out to, like, some selected press, and a lot of people were like, it feels a bit cheap and plasticky which is a bit of a shame. And they're like, it is just a novelty thing. Don't don't think it's going to be anything more. This is, for those that have forgotten, the sort of hand-cranked console. It's got a big crank on the side, used for lots of... Most of them look like they're sort of mini-games. A couple apparently have legs to be a bit more, like there's some little kind of like RPG-type things uh, on it. Uh, it's not out yet. They haven't started sending them out. I think they've been delayed into next year, so... Um... Oh, man, like the whole electronic situation is just like bleak. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously, like there's been a pandemic, so, you know, there being some kind of supply line issues completely expected, but it is like hard to get things like i tried to buy a new ipad and they're out of stock till like february for example or wow. like yeah and like um the analog pocket is coming back up for pre-order and they're doing it in three batches um like you, you, depending on it's first come first serve and the last batch is 2023 and you have to pay up front um and so you know paying like to around 200 quid for something that you might not see for like you know basically two more years it's like oh that's tough that is um mm. 
and then obviously the next gen consoles as well and like you know if you want to get a series s that seems to be the easiest one to get but like um everything else is very very hard to come by so yeah it's tough out there for for electronics which is a shame because i've never seen more different types of like kind of handheld gizmos and such that i want to buy um just because the steam deck happened this year too and I, i put my name down for that um not sure if I'll go through with it ultimately, but I thought it was worth um, just having my name in the hat, see how I feel at the time. Um, mm. But and but even that got delayed as well. So you know, it's it's just tough, man. Um, did you pre-order a Steam Deck or like put your name down for it? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'll give you half a point for that one because uh... <laughs> slightly okay, you're different to the play date. I mean, I wish the Steam Deck had a crank on the side. <laughs> yeah, use it to. Um, I don't know. Uh, what would you use uh, use it for? Um, I can't think of anything funny, so I'm just going to move on. Um, uh, Spitting that off. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the cul-de-sac of the podcast. Um, yeah. Crank-based humour. <laughs> Who knew that we could get eight minutes out of it into Meso, but zero seconds out of a crank? <laughs> I just couldn't think of anything. I just looked at the games on my Steam library, and it's like, Age of Empires 4? It's like, I'm going to crank my way to the castle age. Um, <laughs> just uh, That works for really me. Th- I enjoyed that. That's not bad. I guess we'll keep this in the podcast as a, yeah. <laughs> a, a raw and intimate look at our creative process. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, next one then. So, Nintendo releases new versions of Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD for the Zelda anniversary this year. Nope, that didn't happen. Um, I feel like, though, that maybe the fact that Skyward Sword HD came out makes this a draw. <laughs> it's weird, though, because I've seen some people, you know, the, 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 the journalists who are in on the rumour mills, saying this is a thing. Like, this is definitely happening. It is definitely a thing. It will happen at some point. But if not now, when? I'm pretty sure, like, Andy Robinson was like, this, I mean, I don't know why they haven't announced it, because it is happening. He was that confident. Yeah, this is like, um, there's a few games like this from Nintendo, like, um, apparently a, a Metroid Prime re-release coming out as well, right, on Switch. And, like, these things have been kicking around the rumor mill for a while, but haven't manifested. But the weird thing about Zelda is, this was an anniversary year for Zelda, right? Was it the 30th anniversary? 35? 35? Uh, yeah, I'm basically the same age as Mario. <laughs> so Zelda's <laughs> like, yeah. That's right. Okay, good stuff. Um, <laughs> slightly awkward moment in the podcast there. Um, yeah, so this kind of seemed like this would be the year to do it, really. And it's a bit odd if it slips to next year. But I suppose, like, if Nintendo seems to think quite laterally about, like, having a new game out every two months, basically, um, mm. or three every three months. So maybe they're just spreading them out and they're just and, kind of... And they- they do do the fast reveal and release. Yeah, they do. Where there'll be a Nintendo Direct and they're like, this is happening in three months. I mean, Metroid Dread, you know, it was, it was basically like three months between that E3 and it coming out. Uh, yeah, exactly. And like, um, so for a re-release, that's not implausible. I mean, I suppose we know, what do we know about Nintendo next year? Kind of like the Kirby and The Last of Us, that's coming out um, <laughs> in like March or something, something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah, plausible. I would say like probably next year this will happen, but... Mm. Again, they they're, they're made these games. They are on Wii U. Like all they have to do is be ported to to Switch, and they both look um, well. Wind Waker in particular looks good on uh, in HD. So let's make that happen. You know, I feel like it's annoyingly this tier of like or or the ability to make HD versions of GameCube games that's maybe holding back giving us GameCube as a virtual console. Yeah, that's what I kind of keep thinking too. Or like. Um, I suppose as well, like, because they're much bigger files, maybe it's not as easy yeah. to, like, put it in the kind of interface, you know? They're like. Yeah, or the, or just that, they're, 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 I don't know. In Nintendo's eyes, these games are still in play as, like, a big commercial offering. 
Yeah. I mean, they, they sort of are, but also, like, come on. Just give us the goods. Give us it that is... mini console. The people well, it, want it. Yeah, the people want Hitman 2, damn it. Like, come on, <laughs> let's go <on> with it. <laughs> oh, man. You're a bit of t- Anyway, let's not get into that. <laughs> no, 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 we've done that. We've done that. Um, yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> It's, the thing is, though, that if they are going to do that, we are getting late on in the Switch's lifespan to start doing that. To start, like, I suppose we've had Mario Sunshine in that collection, but mm. I don't know. I feel like they're just surely there would have been some other opportunities at this point to get these games into people's hands somehow. Like, I wouldn't even be adverse to like some kind of like collections like the All Star thing, where maybe you get like right, three games what, on a card. You know, yeah, that. that's what I was going to say. Like, would you buy like here's our ten? big first-party games from GameCube, but you buy them as, like, a mega anthology. Totally. Yeah, imagine you had, like, one that's got, like, um, you know, Double Dash and F-Zero GX and then, like... Smash Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, and, you know, then other publishers can do theirs. So you can have, like, the Super Monkey Ball one. Oh, my God. That would be (laughs) so good. Yeah. That's now made me sad that that will never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've just dreamed up something that's not real. Um, (sighs) Maybe if you say it three times, Matthew, it will happen. Um, Or or if they put Dread in the collection name. uh, Yeah, the the Dread collection. Starring Pikmin and Larry Sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so disappointing that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, I'm I'm willing to believe that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will return at some point, just because Nintendo is big on keeping these games in circulation, albeit in weird ways. So what's your next one, Matthew? Yeah, it might also be... Uh, just because Breath of the Wild 2 is taking them longer, that they're trying to, like, stretch out their Zelda beats to fill the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it may have been that, like, Breath of the Wild 2, you could have seen that being released this year in a in a non-COVID times, maybe. I don't yeah. know, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's anyway. tough to say. My next prediction was that Sony's first-party games will make amazing use of PlayStation 5 DualSense haptics, but no one else will. I mean, I must admit, I've only played, like, five PlayStation 5 games this year. Deathloop was third party and used it quite nicely. It was an exclusive, so they probably were inclined to use it, but that had quite nice stuff where like the triggers would lock up when your gun's jammed, and some of the weird ammo types, like the vibrations of reloading the gun with nails and everything, felt very nice. Mm. Um, I thought the dual sense and the controller was like one of the big headlines around PlayStation 5's launch. I feel like over the course of this year, it hasn't really amounted to much. After Astrobot, particularly, was so good, like such a good advert for that controller. But even the first party games I've played, I was like, eh, you know, it was fine. I feel like I'm a bit of a haptics fanboy, and I don't feel like I, I was particularly satisfied. Well, you wait till you get your uh, bow and arrow on in um, for Horizon next year, Matthew. Then you'll um, you'll change your mind. Um, yeah, haven't they gone back and added it to some of their older games? Oh, have they? I didn't know that. That's I cool. think they might. I think actually. If you, I don't know if it's Last of Us 2 or Horizon Zero Dawn. I think there's one which has got a bit of the haptic stuff in it. Well, um, I, I assume that that Ghost of Tsushima version they've done on PS5 has it as well. Like, yeah, I, that that one I haven't played. But like, I played like Ratchet and Clank, and it was okay in that, but it wasn't like standout. In the same way, I didn't think it was particularly standout in um, Spider-Man Miles Moral, Moral, Morales. What's his name? Miles Morales? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. That, that control is just amazing when it does the stuff. Like, I was really blown away with it at launch. I think my entry for Game of the Year on Andy Robinson's uh, VGC site was, was about the, the DualSense controller, and I just feel like it, it kind of didn't quite deliver on that promise. Not yet, I thought, anyway. I thought Returnal used the controller quite nicely. Yeah, um, actually, well, Returnal is just, like, the PlayStation 5 showcase this year, I feel like. It, like, it's just all singing, all dancing. 
oh yeah, looks and looks and feels amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a bit too hard for old Sammy and, <laughs> uh, and old Matty, I guess. Um, but yeah, um, one to play again at some point for sure. So yes, this one didn't feel like it amounted to a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, that's a minus one for you on that one, Matthew. Um, oh no. Yes, <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, as long as I don't have to give the truffle prize back, <laughs> uh, because but, I've eaten them, <laughs> and I don't have to return my murder mystery novel. Um, <laughs> well, you can. I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my my next one is uh, New Ken Levine Ghost Stories games uh, title gets revealed this year and releases on the same day. Both incorrect in both cases. Um, didn't happen. No idea what's going on with that game. Not much much more to add, really. I hope we see it at some point. Any thoughts, I mean, Matthew? The recent headline is that there have been more Bioshock 4 rumours in terms of, like, settings. This has yeah. come out recently. People think it's going to be set in, like... It, I can't remember if it's the Arctic or the Antarctic. Mm. But I, Bioshock 4 is allegedly a polar-related adventure. So we've heard more about that. I don't know if that counts, because he's not involved, <laughs> is he? It's not his thing. No, uh, I feel like that doesn't count. But like, I'm I'm intrigued about that as well. That would have been because you, you do sort of sit there and think, okay, so it's either it's like we've done we've done sea, we've done the air, uh, ice, I guess, or like space. Yeah. You know, you can kind of see how you got to think about like where would people build utopian societies? Like inside a volcano, probably not. Seems like obviously a bust. Yeah. Um, a really cold place. I mean, you make life difficult for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like, but then you've got the um, the added bonus of when it's nice and toasty inside, and you're looking out onto it all. It's quite that's quite bougie in the way that like yeah. Bioshock's kind of settings are. You know, um, so like ice, ice is a nice texture for modern graphics. Exactly. That's the other thing is it will look shiny as hell. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing that, but still no idea what Ken Levine's making. So. Uh, Guess we'll wait and see on that one, but um, yeah. So no points for me there. What about you, Matthew? What's your next one? Your last uh, mine one, is more publishers will update their old games for new consoles. It's sort of true. There's two different approaches to this. You know, you update old games for free, or you update them, or you sell new versions. There's a little bit of both on PlayStation Five. I think Xbox. One of the places they are quite good is just kind of. If you bought it once, you've bought it once, and you'll get everything updated. Also, I, I think it's worth noting, like, Xbox's sort of back compat team do some really amazing, amazing work where mm. they go back and either make, you know, previously unback compat things back compat. So on Xbox's birthday, they announced a load more stuff, you know, like all the Max Payne games, all that kind of stuff. That was cool. But the, the thing I really like is this frame boost where they take old games and boost the console frame rate on it, which to me feels like mad, mad witchcraft. Admittedly, this is sexier if you don't also have a PC where frame rates are just generally kind of like, you know, off the chain for most of these things. But, um, you know, the idea that your old collection, some of them now are, you know, they are actually in 4K because they updated them for Xbox One X a few years ago and now they've that combined with the frame rate thing so you can play like fallout 3 in 4k at 60 frames on an xbox series x or series s that's that's pretty cool oh yeah i think you deserve a definitely deserve a point for this one you really called it um been a massive investment in that on microsoft's part uh i agree it's like a it's really great i mean so so many people who buy Xboxes would never have had PCs, and the barrier to entry is so much smaller, 450 quid versus, like, a grand plus, you know? like, mm. um, And so the idea that people can just go and openly get 
have these experiences with their old games collections or pick up uh, older games they've never played but now get to experience them in this nice new version like i love this shit i think this is like the kind this kind of future briefing has like massive value and so mm. um i definitely applaud microsoft's effort for it like generally speaking the best thing for me that microsoft's done the last few years is just to back compat stuff it's just yeah you know um deepening its game pass library in in doing so but also just being able to offer stuff like you can buy every star wars game that came out on xbox on on there now um <laughs> except star wars obi-wan that one never came back um <laughs> and like yeah so i think here some really cool games getting that stuff as well um just some mm. some games the sort of games that people have probably been curious about but might not have played stuff like sleeping dogs for example just go play these with a nicer frame rate or mm. you know i'll give watchdogs to a kick all this stuff so um yeah and that's yeah, yeah it's, it's when they do it to like you know xbox one games as well you know which were already shiny but like you know deus ex uh, mankind divided they've punched up to 60 and you know that now looks as good as it does on quite a decent pc if and you can buy these games cheap if they're not already on game pass which a lot of them are it's it's just uh i don't know a really really good deal i mean so the, the sort of sneering counter to this is like well all they do is like shine up old games where are your new games but i actually think it's super valuable and I've had a lot of fun revisiting, you know, I've been playing Binary Domain with the frame boosts and everything. It's great. It's really good fun. Well, from that um, sort of like, uh, you know, perfectly correct uh, prediction (laughs) to one that was completely fucking howlingly wrong. Let's go to my final one, Matthew, which is uh, GTA 6 is revealed, set in the same city across two different time frames. Doesn't come out until 2023. You were so specific. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I did this. Um you can never expect these games to just come out very quickly. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, they're massive undertakings for Rockstar, obviously. So um, I'm probably not going to see this now for a couple more years. We haven't even got the um, next-gen version of uh, GTA Five out yet, so it's probably mm. going to be slow going for a little while. And they're still um, they're still investing in GTA Online content. As uh, we record this, they've just this week, I think, re- revealed that they're doing a new story DLC that's set years after... Well, for GTA Online, I should say, set years after um, GTA V, so um, it features the Franklin character again. Um, Have, haven't so... they got some musical artists to make a whole album for it? <laughs> yeah, your favourite artist, Dr. Dre, um, Matthew. Um, <laughs> I think it's got, got. I think Dr. Dre's made new music for it, and then some of his collaborators have, have as well. That's like a big deal because I don't think he's made music like with his name on it for a long time so yeah that's probably that's quite a big deal um <laughs> complete side note i got massively into the album the chronic this year it's very very good um that's really off brand for me but i just wanted to mention it because it was a, a meaningful experience that i had this year oh that's um, nice well... <laughs> um so yeah i'm uh, surprised I... to hear randy newman has never released an album called the chronic <laughs> uh one day matthew maybe um but yeah so good stuff uh yep yeah, i i look forward to to seeing what gta is eventually but i'm not holding my breath that it's going to be anything but like maybe the second half of this generation could be a long yeah. time yeah what do you think full agreement i mean they can take their time and it's it does feel like with this story content in online that you know they're keeping all their departments busy you know that's got to be a considerable investment to make something like that yeah i can't imagine gta online will will stop um i imagine it's got a roadmap for years yet just because you kind of like you kind of need the next version of GTA Online to spin up as soon as like the other one winds down, and it's uh, that yeah. like financially is going to be a big headache for you everyone just, involved. I don't, I, I, you know, we can never know because we're not inside these studios. But you don't want to end up basically becoming like they're basically becoming a version of Valve, 
where you just because you don't have to make something new, it means you don't use those amazing powers at making something new. I, I do wonder like what it's like working at these places when you were, you know, if you are someone who makes, you know, these things which leave such a huge mark and are such a key part of everyone's gaming lives, and then you get to a point where it just doesn't make sense to do the thing you're good at anymore. Like, from financial point. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of miss the cadence of uh, Rockstar Open World games. I completely understand why they're not, like, you know, they don't come out as frequently as they used to. But, um, you know, it, uh, yeah, if they came out, like, 50% faster, obviously I'd be very happy. But I'm sure there are reasons why that, that can't be the case. Um, so, you know, yeah, mm. it's, I'm, I'm with you. I'd love, a, I'd love a new Rockstar game every, like, every three years rather than every six years, I guess, or seven years. So, um mm. Yeah, that's just uh, entitled me. Um, so yeah, I uh, I look forward to seeing whatever they make eventually. I will play that DLC though. Very curious to see how they amalgamate more story stuff into um, GTA Online. It's sort of like a continuation of stuff they've done before. Like Dr. Dre was very briefly in the last DLC they did. He just sort of turns up in an aircraft hangar for like one scene, then fucks off, and it's kind of confusing. Um, <laughs> And it's like, oh, that's just Dr. Dre there for, for some reason. And then you go to an island and do a heist, and it's like, yeah. Oh. I don't know if I'd even know if I met Dr. Dre in a game. He'd have to say, <laughs> I'm Dr. Dre. And then no, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> he stands out because it's just, he, like, I think I think you would identify that, like, it's somewhat of note just because it looks so lifelike. It's just, yeah. Oh, okay. Think... So if there's a room of people and they're like, one of these people is the celebrity Dr. Dre, <laughs> I'd be like, that guy because he's got fingers <laughs> okay <laughs> oh that's a great thought experiment if anyone out there can like um set that up as a thing for matthew to do like maybe like a brief like uh, i don't know maybe we'll just uh, maybe i can just do this for you i can create like a lineup and you have to guess who dr dre is um <laughs> from lots of different rockstar characters and one's like the prospector from red dead redemption just to make it a bit easier for you um <laughs> Oh, very good. Um, so those are all the predictions, Matthew. Um, we did also briefly discuss in the episode like what the fortunes were of the different platform holders uh, for uh, 2021. And I think uh, we were maybe slightly harsh on Microsoft in retrospect. Um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts listening to that bit of the podcast? Like we said outright, Sony were going to have a stronger year than Xbox. And I think if you balance them up, I think they'd probably come out the same. I don't think it was a drubbing. It might have been different if Sony had also released Horizon and Gran Turismo, but they didn't. It means they've got quite a stacked 2022, and that's going to be quite hard to kind of like deal with uh, for Xbox. But this year, Xbox have ended really strong, and it feels like they've end they've ended strong at the period where where you need to like be loud and strong. Like this is the time you buy your Christmas presents and your Christmas games. This is where people have discussions about the best games of the year. And I feel like I feel Sony are like missing from the conversation a bit in the last six months. Yeah, but that's just I think because of how things have been timed. Yeah, like, um, not yeah. not their absolutely not their fault. I think also like they just got a bit unlucky with like Ghostwire being delayed as well because they probably would have had that in I think it was meant to be like October originally. They they they've been hurt by slips more, which was another thing we said at the outset of this episode that we thought this year was going to be pretty messy with in that regards, and it was. Yeah, it's just inevitable, isn't it? Like. um uh, you know, I absolutely, I absolutely don't mind. That's the case. It's led to a very yeah. stacked first quarter next yeah, year this, as well. This isn't, this isn't like some weird anti-Sony point scoring at all. But it's, it just is what it is. Um, we, we did get it wrong in that we thought we didn't see Forza Horizon coming. We thought it would be motorsport first, and if mm. anything, we were like, oh, and that would be really good for Horizon because it means it will have another year in the oven. When actually, it came out this year and it's uh, fucking brilliant. 
So, um, yeah. Uh, shows how much we know once again we predicted it being japan it wasn't it was mexico <laughs> again that's fucking brilliant though so that's all right did you see the hellblade 2 demo at the game awards oh yeah very very tasty looking very um, tasty that giant fucking man is so cursed <laughs> yeah yeah they i has he has so much of my energy after this year like <laughs> that's like just kind of going around going and then like having bits of him cut off i was like that's me at the end of this year that was, um, i thought i thought it was very like attack on titan that thing just a big bald man who there's nothing like monstrous about him apart from his size and he seems like disinterested that people are throwing spears into him i yeah. thought that i thought that was that looked really really good um, yeah that looks like a proper like blockbuster game they're making there yeah. it was like the first hellblade was so that's, made him like, under restraint um just because it was like yeah, self-published and stuff, but yeah. I like it, I don't love it. I'm into this world, I'm into this vibe and the look, and I'll be interested in what they do next, and what they did next was uh, a giant naked grandpa man, which is <laughs> fucking <laughs> wild. Yeah, that did look very cool. So yeah, that was, um, we were slightly wrong, yeah, on what we thought Xbox would have this year, but yeah, I think we were too harsh, because the last three months I've been playing, you know, Forza Horizon, Age of Empires 4, and Halo Infinite, and right. they're all fucking great. And, like, well done. Um, That's, like, the really seeing, like, I think we talked in the episode about how Microsoft needs to keep feeding things to Game Pass in order to kind of keep it, um, keep it kind of working as well as it can. And and the last three months have just, like, shown what an asset it is when you get that stuff right. And I actually think next year will be busy for them. Um, just because obviously you do have, um, Starfield coming out, which is, like, exclusive. I keep forgetting that's them, yeah. That is next year, right? That's, like, 2022. Yeah, I think they've said that, yeah. Yeah, so um, there's that, but also this will be. I'm sure this will be a Gears year as well. Like, um, just because I think was it 2018 or 2019 um, Gears Five. Yeah. So feels like three years might be the right amount of time. You'll get, you'll see that. Um, you'll surely see that Forza next gen shiny Forza game um, emerge this year too. Mm. And maybe you'll start seeing stuff that they talked about originally, kind of like pop up. Maybe that avowed game from Obsidian. There was like. Mm some reports about that uh, a little while ago so I, I think they could have a big year too and yeah obviously like sony's looking at a year where it has you know it, it benefits a bit from this stuff moving back i mean for them they probably don't mind because they want to get more consoles in people's hands before this stuff drops yeah, because yeah. it's not like releasing a game will, will help them in terms of like they can't they can't sell any more consoles than they're already selling so it almost doesn't make sense for them to have more great games yeah, out yeah. there um but yeah so you're looking at horizon and uh yeah we can save that for another time but i would say that this this year definitely like um sony just had a bit more going on in the first half of the year but then it's kind of it's year of big releases ends with deathloop basically and then that's when all the microsoft stuff comes along so they have been out of the conversation a little bit but i don't know is that a big deal i don't know i've had a great year on my ps5 you know what's the point in selling consoles when you can't sell consoles so you know you're all right yeah, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, and Nintendo on that episode, Matthew, I think you, you, we have kept saying on this podcast, at some point Nintendo will have an avalanche of stuff to kind of unload. And I don't think that's quite materialised yet, has it? The speculative take on this is that if this, this Switch Pro is going to come along at some point, which was obviously the big prediction for this year, um, but didn't really amount to anything, you would think that that would launch, you know, alongside something juicy i mean you know if ever there was a game to launch it alongside it's probably Breath of the world too but we are yeah i mean just based on like when people made games we're definitely waiting for the next thing from every you know basically everyone at this point 
you know we're gonna you know definitely the the mario team um you know whatever the 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 mario kart team are up to not that they need to ever make a new mario kart because mario kart uh, deluxe has sold what like 30 million copies or something absurd i think it might be higher than that yeah it's whatever it is it's like it was back at the top of the charts that game is just the man alive where was that love when it was a wii u game and we were making a wii u mag that's what i want to know um, <laughs> 38.74 million units matthew blimey it's not even a pack-in you know that's that's just crazy well it's not crazy it's a great mario kart but it's an old mario kart so they're probably like why even bother <laughs> uh, the curse of success so, yeah I, I i still think that avalanche is coming really i think they only really need to nail breath of the world too and i hope it's I just hope it's like substantial enough, like whatever it is. I hope it is something new. I hope it isn't just Hyrule with like a little bit floating above it. I I don't see how it can be, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, interesting. I guess we'll see how that sort of pans out. But um, yes, um, uh, it didn't quite happen this year. But I don't know. I think everyone had a fairly solid year considering we're in the pandemic and stuff. And to be honest, I've never ran out of stuff to play this year. And like. As people know as well, I think this podcast has definitely solidified clearing my backlog as a thing that I do now more than I used to, um, which is fine because I like having new things to talk about and to, to weigh in on different episode ideas and stuff. So that's what that's driven a lot of what I've played this year. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's all good, really. But um, we will do a 2022 version of this, Matthew, in a few weeks. I think that's a good um, way to kick off the year. Just very mm. kind of like light um, sort of discussion. We've d- tapped into a bit of it here, but we've... Um, I think it was good to revisit this. We're probably about 50% right overall between us, which is not too bad. Um, yeah. We didn't take any swings that were that big, but um, the GTA one was really daft um, and, and, <laughs> and it didn't happen. So uh, that's embarrassing for me. Um, so, Matthew, the podcast is over now. The next episode is going to be about Lord of the Rings games. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, I've, I've very much inflicted this on you. What are your thoughts on this one? Some games are very fond memories of. I think it kind of makes sense. In my head, I've, I've thought of, I th- I'm thinking of the episode as being a bit like, you know when everyone's waiting for the BBC Christmas film? Like yeah. what recent blockbuster is going to be on the BBC this Christmas? It's kind of our episode equivalent <laughs> of the Christmas film. And this year's Christmas film is Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring, um, for some reason. <laughs> well, no, I know the reason. It's just going to be a nice, weirdly specific end to the year. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah, it's going to be fun. I've got, I've actually got like a really firm plan for what it's going to be, and I think it's going to be um, a good one. So, um, yes, it's it's also nice to have a few episodes which aren't too like mega heavy because I think Game of the Year is going to be probably pretty pretty substantial. So, uh, for for listeners at home, it's going to go um, Lord of the Rings episodes. Uh, sorry, Lord of the Rings episode, and then Game of the Year, and then. Uh, I guess we'll probably do 2022 predictions at that point, and then that'll take us into next year, I think. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't think there's one I'm missing there. My my brother does this, like, fantasy league of games. Right. And it's just, it's cool. I'll tell you about it. Well, I should probably keep this off air. I'll tell you about it. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd always appreciate it. We're about at uh, 99 reviews at the time I'm uh, Push us over, push us over, and push us over with a nice five star. Oh, there's still that one four star review haunts us. Oh god, (laughs) where did that come from? That that's that that haunts me. That four star review. It feels like it's something that probably my dad did, but he he meant to press five, but accidentally pressed four. I'm gonna willing to chalk it up to that, or someone who. didn't like uh, the draft picks on the um, the PS2 episode or something, but one of the developers of Red Faction who was just cross <laughs> at the constant bad mouthing. 
but not that cross because he still picked it. Um, he still gave it four, and he still gave it four stars. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so- <laughs> He's like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so we're Backpage Pod on Twitter. It's uh, backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email. We've had a bit, a few emails from you. We'd like a few more because we'd love to do a mailbag in the new year as well. One of those uh, overlong mailbag episodes our peers are always telling us about. Um, and yes, um, Matthew, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts. We'll be back next week with our Lord of the Rings episode. Goodbye. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.